Hi, I'm Bella. I'm Kayton. And we are the Fight Behind Our Forks. Fighting to end diet culture and prevent eating disorders. We're going to be talking about our experiences in residential and inpatient treatment and kind of what to expect. This could look different for um, the treatment center you're going to or that you um, are looking into. This is just our personal experiences at the residentials and inpatients we've gone to, which um, happen to be Montanito Clementine Residential, Center for Discovery Residential, and Bella went to UCLA inpatient. Yeah. Um, and our target audience is kind of girls who are about to go into treatment, girls or boys who are about to go into treatment and are scared and not sure what to expect or not sure what to bring. So we're hoping to alleviate some of that fear. We know that going to treatment can be really scary, especially residential treatment. It is completely different than the regular everyday life you were probably used to. And it's scary. And you're probably not sure what to expect, but taking it from two girls who have been exactly in your position right now, we can try to help alleviate some of the stress, but no matter what, it is going to be pretty scary. Yes, it's very, it's not an easy experience to go through, to say the least. Um, So first, we are going to talk about eating because we know that that is probably the first thing that's on your mind kind of wondering what's that going to be like going into eating disorder treatment yeah it really it differs for each person and each treatment center um typically you're going to be eating six times a day which can seem intimidating but there are medical professionals and dietitians who have it all mapped out to suit your needs, but typically you'll be eating three snacks and three meals a day. And typically at most places, if you are unable to finish your meal, um, they will give you Ensure or some kind of supplement drink so that you are able to stay healthy and continue your restoration process. It also depends. We're not going to really touch on the um, weight factor and what goes into that because that is really specialized for your own body's needs and we're not doctors or dietitians we're just two girls recovering from our own eating disorders who have been through treatment so every case is super individual for us because um we had been not eating enough for our body we were started at a smaller meal plan and worked our way up into what we needed to be healthy yeah, and it could it could really depend on what eating disorder you have, your own body, and how your body processes food, um, and it just really depends on you as an individual. And different places do the menu kind of differently, whereas like one treatment place I went to, we get a decision for our meals. We got to choose our snacks off of a list. But you got to choose some things that you didn't like so they wouldn't be put on your meals. And then at another place, I actually got to create my own menu and choose what I wanted. But it really depends. And it's not that bad because usually you'll have a really good chef who makes delicious food. Yeah. I don't want to admit it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And um, some of the foods might be scary at first, for sure. 
but it's really great because there is a wide variety of foods for you to challenge yourself, even though that's super scary. Um, trust me, we were both terrified of some of the foods that were put in front of us. <laughs> it was like some foods that I really didn't like, but there's some foods that I found that I actually did like that I hadn't tried before um, and continue to eat like now after getting out of treatment. Yeah, there are new foods that I got to try as well. Um, new foods that I didn't even know I liked. I was like convinced that I hated beets um, <laughs> before I went to treatment and I hadn't even tried them in like five years. And then um, I told the dietitian that and then I got to try a beet and turns out I really like beets. <laughs> so there's a lot of experimenting you can do with your food. But at the end of the day, you are expected to um, complete the meals and the snacks they um, give you in the, like, amount of time provided. And at some treatment centers and, like, some uh, outpatient treatment centers, you'll kind of move up in the ranks. And once you're showing that you're doing well, you'll be able to kind of choose what you want to eat more and possibly not completely finish what's on your plate, but instead listen to your hunger and fullness cues. But that is when you get to a certain place that they can trust you to eat what your body needs. And when you could trust yourself. That's a big component as well. Yeah, it's a big component. Like if they give you that, but you're not ready, you need to be upfront with them and honest about what you're going through. And if you're going to be able to take care of yourself, because I know there was some cheating that I did in treatment where I didn't necessarily follow the rules and lied to the people who are trying to make me better, which is not the way to go about it at all. Um, now we're going to talk about like movement. Um, I'm not sure, like it's very different for all the girls that come in and boys that come in, especially. Um, but most like residentials do have kind of like a movement plan like specifically the one that me and Kate were at, we had a yoga session once a week, but we could only get to do that when our bodies were ready to be moving again and be getting outside and walking. But it's yes. very limited because they're just kind of trying to put it back into your life in a healthy way if you were not using it in a healthy way before. Yeah, exercise is super individual because eating disorders are both a um have a mental and physical component it could be really tricky because sometimes our bodies are just um not ready for a certain amount of movement because of what we put them through but um for the most part as bella said most residentials involve some type of movement you're not going to be running a marathon every day by any means but there are like walks and movement where you could um be in your body like mindful movement where you're moving because you want to move your body as opposed to moving to manipulate your body if that makes sense and it's really helpful because like me when I first went into treatment I like cried if I didn't exercise one day which is ridiculous but then I finally went into treatment and figured out that just because I didn't do my exercises one day doesn't mean that my body was going to change and doesn't mean that I was worth any less. So I think as much as it might be hard not to have be doing the same movement you were before possibly, it's a good learning experience and it 
teaches you to be okay with not moving and listening to your body. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be best for us now to talk about what a typical day might look like because that's that is kind of just an overall of what residential and inpatient treatment will look like. Yeah, it's kind of it's different kind of depending where you go. Um personally at like the two residentials that I went to, we showered in the morning first thing. We took our turns in the shower. Um and then we would get up, get ready, and then have breakfast like in the morning sometime around 7 to 8:30 between those time we would have breakfast and then we would usually have like a therapy group after breakfast or we would have school after breakfast we would have some like downtime and then we would have snack um and then after snack usually a therapy group or a movement group of some kind um, we'll talk about the different therapy groups that you might experience while in treatment kind of next. Um, and then you'd have lunch and then usually a couple more therapy groups. Or if not, you just have free time in the day room to color, do bracelets, possibly watch something if they allow you to use the TV, um, spend time with the other girls. And then usually dinner, um, more free time, night snack, and then it's time to get ready for bed. And Keaton can elaborate on the little things. Yeah, there's, um, so you're definitely going to have some type of individual therapy sessions throughout the week um, between one and three, um, maybe family therapy as well. So sometime throughout the day, there's usually no like set schedule on when your individual therapy is going to be. But at some point throughout the day, um, you know, over the course of a week, you'll probably will be having individual therapy, whichever therapist you're assigned to. And um, so like when we, elaborating a little bit on school time, now this really depends on what residential you're at. I've been at a residential that doesn't allow time for any type of schoolwork. And I've been at a residential that um, allows two hours, a, two or three hours a day of time for schoolwork. Um, really and also this is, we're also adolescents. So Bella and I are both 17, so if you're an adult listening to this, it would definitely be different, a little bit different, just because we are still, there are girls still in middle or high school. And yeah, so like it also depends what you're doing for schooling or if it's summertime. Um, I was there in the summer and school time, so kind of like we'd still go to the schoolroom during the summer and just kind of play games, but a lot of it is online school because People are trying to finish out their school year if they had to leave. Um, for me, I had to finish out school years in treatment um, and was given time to do that. Um, but it also depends kind of because everyone's schooling program and what they're doing for school is kind of individualized on what their school wanted to do and what their parents wanted to do. But there usually is a supportive environment for you to succeed academically. Yeah. Uh, personally, there have been times in residential, like when I was in a residential over the summer, I try, I never ended up completing it because I mentally just wasn't in the right state space to be doing anything academic, but I did try to do um, an online elective class to try to get some credits done. But then there were also times in residential where I 
didn't do any schooling and I had agreed this is also it depends on your parents but I had talked to my parents and I was just like you know what I think I need to use this time for myself and not focus on school because personally I'm somebody who obsesses over school and um, I really obsess over the grades I get and it could be it could be it's really added to my perfectionistic qualities that go hand in hand with my eating disorder and but there's also been other times in treatment where one of the like the district that the treatment center was in, they would send in a tutor and I would work with the tutor to try to catch up on some type of schoolwork. But like Bella said, it really depends on the residential, on the state you're in. It could really depend. And I know we keep saying that, but it's true that every residential is a little bit different. And like your teachers as well. I got lucky with flexible teachers who allowed me to do some schoolwork where my parents would just turn it in one semester. And then I also had another time where I had to do the school through the hospital, which was kind of a joke as schooling, but I still got my, my, I still got through the grade and it was okay because I had more time to focus on what I really needed to focus on was getting better. Yeah. So a little bit more on the groups we have, uh, during the day at residential treatment, um, group therapy, especially in eating disorder treatment, is a huge component of the recovery process um, of the treatment process. Yes, there are many different groups and it really depends where you go. There's going to be like some of them are body talk where you kind of spend an hour talking about how you feel in your body at that time. There are groups like behavioral therapy um there's art therapy where you do some sort of art and you'll kind of take time to focus on that art or there's like cognitive therapy and it really depends because each group is going to focus on different aspects of life and different aspects of like things that you need to get over and think about and talk out with other people and they're usually very helpful if you use them properly I know it's hard because you're scared when you first go in and it's like it's easy not to talk but once you start sharing and opening up and being honest with yourself and the other girls, they can really be helpful. Yeah. And it's also, it's really, some of the groups are, some of the groups are hard where you have to like really dig deep within yourself and share some vulnerable things with people. I mean, that's how therapy is going to be no matter what you're going to have to be vulnerable, but there were also some groups that were super fun where we got to I know like once we got to throw paintballs at, um, at a big sheet of paper or we got to, sometimes we would just throw ice. We were all really tense in a group once and Bella and I just asked the therapist if we could go throw ice at the ground because we were angry. It really, it's going to depend. Um, we would even do karaoke sometimes to, for, we had this group called creative expressive group. So yeah, it's it's going to really depend on the residential, but no matter what, group therapy is a huge component of residential eating disorder treatment. And we have to be honest, like sometimes it does get like tiring to be in therapy all day and sometimes you don't want to go and you just want to like sit on the milieu couch and chill. But if you use it and you really go in determined to become like a better person and like improve your mental state, then they can be really fun and really helpful. So, um, I think another important thing to talk about is 
the vibe of the milieu <laughs> because um, a lot of it is it's like dependent on what other girls are there. And sometimes it's hard if you don't like connect with anyone or you don't feel like you have friends. But also, you don't. The, a milieu is just to interrupt real quick. Oh, yeah. To call, I honestly don't know why it gets this name at treatment centers but we would call it like just the group of the girls like the common room yeah like the common room is we went to like there were six girls at a time some have like 12 or 8 but we would just call like like we're just the milieu like we're the group of girls the common room we would call the milieu and it would just kind of be like each group of girls would have like a different vibe it really it's dependent on like the month. It depends. Sometimes like we went in summer together. So there were like a lot of, it was full. Like there were six girls at a time, but like later on in August, when people started going back to school, there were only like three of us. Yeah. Really, yeah. It's really dependent. And like, if you get there and you're not really feeling it and you don't really know anyone and you feel really uncomfortable, don't feel discouraged because usually a new person comes in or the girls will start being honest and like you open up and you're stuck together in that house 24 hours a day. So you're usually like, you get to know each other, you get to become friends. Um, it's really hard if, the in, if people are not recovery oriented and are refusing meals or bringing up triggering things. It can be hard, but it also adds to that process because it is like the real world. In the real world, people say triggering things all the time. People don't finish their meals and we have to be prepared to deal with that, but still be healthy and honest with ourselves. Yeah, and um, at the end of the day, you are in treatment with other people going through the same thing as you overall. like. Uh, if you're in a residential treatment center, you're, you know, you're going through something and everybody around you is going to understand that. Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Experience, but I've been to several treatment centers and as much as like the first day I might have been in shock and not happy with the people who are there, it always changes. It always becomes a better situation. It always became a better situation for me. I always found someone who I really connected with. Yeah. And the therapists are great. So even if everyone else isn't recovery oriented or isn't the friendliest, the therapists will be your friends. This, the nurses who are there with you are so nice and they're genuine people and they care about you because they want to see you get better too. And they don't necessarily, they don't really treat you as though you're very like, you're like a kid or like you can't talk to them because most nurses are very welcoming and caring. Yeah. there. I think to have a job in a treatment center set, setting, like they're going to be caring and nice and no matter what, everybody just wants the best for you. Yes. They want the best for you. And even when you don't feel they do, like if you're a nutritionist, changes your meal plan and you're angry just know that they do truly want the best for you and they're not doing anything with malicious intentions they just want you to be healthy 
So, um, something you're going to be facing in residential treatment no matter what is loads and loads of free time. <laughs> boredom. There is a lot of boredom. So you want to come prepared with books and coloring books and like string to make bracelets, just little activities that you can do. Not all places allow everything, so it's good to check with them first. Um, most electronics are not allowed at first. Most people are not allowed their phones unless it's at the very end and they're, giving, they're given privileges. So you need to be able to entertain yourself with things like books and coloring. Yeah, I, I, we did a lot of arts, like no matter, so the day is packed with like, as we were saying, like groups, designated time for school, meal times, things like that. But in between those, like, especially when it's time, like some people are off doing individual therapy sessions, there is a lot of downtime to do creative things. And I know like I've done some of the coolest projects in residential with downtime, like the Bella and I got really into painting rocks at one point. Yeah, there used to be a cool art room at one place, and I literally, like, painted a cigar box. I, like, made so many statues. I, like, learned to knit a shirt. It's crazy. There's, like, a lot of different things to do. Also, cards. Cards. People play a lot of cards. Yeah, we played so many card games. And, like, games, and it, it, it can get fun at those times when you're just, like, at the table with all the girls and boys that are playing with you, you can just have a good time in a hard situation. Yeah, and uh, there's, it's kind of like, for me at least, it was like re-embracing part of that childhood where like you get to do all these fun things that like in our everyday lives, like I would, in residential treatment, maybe I was like knitting a scarf at 2 p.m. on a Thursday, like in your regular life outside of treatment that's not something you're probably going to be doing so there is time to like embark on new hobbies new activities that are permitted during that time and permitted at that treatment center it's really fun actually yeah another activity that's also widely suggested by therapists usually is journaling <laughs> is no stranger to journaling i was <laughs> very good at it I would always forget this but I'd try but Caitlin like journaled her whole experience and now she might write a book about it and she's <laughs> journals to write that book so like you can use that time to like create opportunities for you in the future because you have this free time you can use it to become better and to create like new possibilities yeah I'm Personally, I'm a writer. I've always been a writer since middle school. I've been in like journalism classes in the school newspaper and whatnot. So journaling for me was my escape from um, if I was stressed, I would go and journal. I would write. Even if I was happy, if it was a good day, I would go write about it. Like, why am I happy? Reintroduce this, this feeling of happiness when I'm struggling. Okay, so yeah, with those like suggestions of what to bring, bring a journal, bring some coloring supplies, bring cards, bring coloring books, um, and things that you think are going to be fun for you and occupy your time. Yeah.
Oh, and another thing we have to talk about is outings and what that's going to look like. So this is also something super, super, uh, it, it just depends on where you are. Like when I was in a hospital, a medical hospital setting, um, the, the, like this was not allowed. I was never allowed to leave the hospital, but in, when you, if you like step down to in a residential setting, outings from the residential, from the residentials I've been to, and I've been to like a lot of them, there always was some type of outing over the weekends and sometimes during the week as well. And they were usually permitted only for the people who are finishing their meal plans and um, complying with the rules of the treatment home. But you kind of, like at Clementine, we got to choose our outings every weekend. We got to go on two and we could go for like an hour or two hours. Um, we'd usually choose like getting our nails done, which would be nice, going to the beach and just like sitting on the beach and looking at like the ocean or going to parks. Um, so I guess it depends like where your treatment center is located like and what's around that. But we kind of, you just kind of figure out things to do, like going to the movies or um, we went to, went to like Underwood Family Farms and saw like goats. <laughs> We got pretty creative with, we happened to be in a, we, so our residential was located like in the Malibu, Los Angeles area. So there happened to be like a lot of really interesting things that we could do um, on those outings. But there have been other locations of residentials I've been at where like, it's kind of a struggle to find somewhere to go. <laughs> it was still a struggle at some time. We were like, really, we're in the nail salon for the seventh week in a row? Yeah. <laughs> so it really, I like, I know we got really creative. Sometimes we would go to, we went to Barnes and Noble once. once we got really into going to Michael's yeah. because we, we supplies. Yeah, um, at, at Clementine, we were allowed to use some of our own money. I, I've been at other treatment centers where we weren't allowed to buy anything, but we would go to Michael's and get, like, friendship bracelet string <laughs> and, um, like, crayons and get really creative. And then I think once we even went to Sephora, too, and we all got, like, lipstick. <laughs> yeah, I really, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, fun. Yeah, there is also like, like Build a Bear workshop. We went to Build a Bear. <laughs> yeah, we went to Build a Bear. That was like a common one, actually. Mm -hmm. I know at one of my treatment centers, we would go like every other week. We would go to Build a Bear. Um, and then there's also some treatment centers have lunch outings once a week. Clementine did inpatient hospital. We were not allowed to ever leave, but um. Most residentials will have like a lunch outing each week where usually the dietitian will choose a restaurant um, and you guys will go and you'll order and you'll kind of just get to experience eating out and getting to choose your food and all the anxiety that comes with that. <laughs> yeah, for some people, eating out could be really anxiety provoking. For me, actually, I for personally, I still haven't really explored why. But going out to eat was never a super big trigger for me. So um, in the beginning, at least, it wasn't like at my first residential, I was kind of chill with it. It was the same for me. But then there are other people who are really um, get really anxious when having to go out to eat. 
yeah so it's a good experience um and sometimes it's fun like sometimes you'll go to a really good restaurant and you like have like really good food and it'll be fun to get to decide what you want um and it's nice to just get out of the house yeah there are like little bits of kind of like normalcy thrown in so that because when you you know when you discharge treatment when you go back into the real world you're gonna be going to restaurants you're gonna be going to nail salons the movie theater and it's kind of just a way to it's like a form of exposure therapy and how to deal with that in a secure setting as opposed to just leaving residential and not having any experience in the real world for the however long you had been there. Yes. Um, and then I think another important thing to talk about is visiting hours. Um, and that's really depends on the residential or inpatient hospital. I know at the hospital I was at, visiting hours were two hours a day and my parents would come every day. But at residential, it was just on Saturday and Sunday where they would come for like a couple hours. And some days, we like would even have a family like day where our parents would eat lunch and then we'd eat lunch and then we have a big therapy group with all the families and, and we just kind of get to spend time with our families which is always really nice and a good distraction it was always great to um be able to see them and be able to talk about things that maybe like don't have to do with treatment um this is super specific to the treatment center, and I know it really varies, um, but one of the treatment centers I went to at Clementine, we, our friends were allowed to come and visit. So I would have really close friends that would come up um, with my parents. I lived pretty far away from Clementine, like two and a half, three hours. So my parents would organize it with um, a few of my friends, and they would kind of make a day out of it and come visit me. But I've also been to treatment centers where, like, friends were strictly prohibited and it was only um, family members that could visit on des in designated hours for visiting. Yeah, it really depends. And then some, like, in hospital, your parent can be there 24-7 um, if you're not in residential yet. So it really is dependent on where you go. Yeah. Um, um, and also like phone time is dependent. Some places have scheduled phone time for each person. Some places have, you can call whenever you want, as long as someone else isn't using the phone. Like at Clementine, we had a phone booth that we can just step into and call our parents as long as it wasn't a therapy or mealtime. Yeah. And then at other residentials, like when I was at Center for Discovery, um, another big, um, residential in um, across the country, we would have, like, depending on how far we are, were into treatment, <laughs> depending on how well you're doing in the recovery process, sometimes it would be, like, when I first got there, I was only allowed to call home on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then, like, halfway in, if I was doing well, I got to call home every day. It just, it really depends. Yes, it depends. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Peyton? I think that's it. I think, I think we covered the basics. Um, there's obviously, we could talk forever about <laughs> taking shorter treatment, but these are pretty much the basics. Um, of course it is all, again, our experiences in treatment in California, um, and the future meant that we 
treatment centers that we've been to as adolescents. Um, and it's not a universal experience by all. No. Dietitians or therapists, again, these are just our personal experiences and things that we can share to help girls going through what we went through. Yeah, and just to clarify again, if you happen to be going to the same treatment centers as we were, we were at Center for Discovery La Habra. It, uh, this is like us uh, personally. I was at Center for Discovery La Habra, Center for Discovery Lakewood, Montanitos, um, and affiliates Clementine Malibu Lake, and as well as Torrance Memorial Medical Hospital for um, medical stabilization. And I was at Clementine Minnesota Treatment Center as well, Lakewood Center for Discovery, UCLA Ronald Reagan Hospital Inpatient ED um, Ward Unit, and I was at Santa Monica Hospital. So that's just if you happen to be going to those specific places in California, that's how that's where we are basing this um, podcast off of. But if you have any specific questions, you could always reach out to us on our Instagram at the fight behind our forks or email also at the fight behind the fight behind our forks at gmail.com. And as well as our website has a lot of resources and ways to contact us and general information about eating disorders, which is the fight behind our forks.com. And for anyone who is listening to this right now about to enter treatment, we understand how you feel. And we really do wish you the best and we hope that you find help. Thank you so much for listening and we will be back next time.